0: Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. Powerful, beautiful song. And for me, it's a little bit of a haunting song. I hear the opening and closing uh, keys there. Dun, dun 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 And I'll tell you what, I was walking through the gym the other day. That song was playing. I heard those and immediately my mind was transported to March 2020. It's a song that we were preparing for easter last year getting ready for it and uh and then it was actually this sunday a year ago that we were told stay home and and did this for the first time which you know there's one side of that that you go what a bummer we had to do you know church at home by video part of what's cool that came out of that there's some people that actually caught us online and said Worth checking that place out, and they're here today. So mm-hmm. it's it's amazing to see the way God used a year of, of shutdown and pullback and all the things that were going on in this world to actually uh, bring people to this place to right. bring them home. And uh, we're going to be talking some about that as we talk to as we look today at Psalm one twenty seven. Uh, we brought our jar out again. I don't know if you remember the jar. jar. This is from the first sermon of that of that series. We took a jar, had sand, shook it up, said this is the way our hearts, our souls feel right now. And we watched over the week as, weeks as it began to settle. This has sat on a shelf in the media room for months now. And you can see it's to the point that, Lorelai, you could drink that if you want. I'm not <laughs> going to, but anyway. Um, nice, clear, settled, stable. And I really think that God in time have brought us as a church to this exact same place. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point that there are just a, a handful of things now that we're looking at in terms of re-engaging teams and whatever. And I don't want to say we're back to normal, but we're, we, we have all those pieces in place that help us to be able to minister Inching and serve closer, yeah. in a great way. So a couple of fun things, few fun things happening in our family. For you, you weren't here last week, and I'm so glad you're here this week because I tell you, well, part, of, part of the... Um, Video pandemic teaching that I loved so much was being able to do this with you, you know, side by side on the chairs. So I actually asked for an anniversary special, and today <laughs> you're staying up here the whole time with me and and working through the teach together. But last week you were you were in a warmer place, a clearer place, a beautiful place, and you had the privilege of doing something you've never done in your life.
1: Yeah, I got to do some deep sea fishing, the kind of fishing where you go out and you can't see the land, and. <laughs> I've always said that the ocean is a terrifying place. Now, can confirm, ocean terrifying. Um, <laughs> they told us ahead of time, like, guys, we're going to be out in some some rough water. And I get very motion sick. So I had the patch on. I took two Dramamine. And, uh, and I was ready. Like, I'm geared up. I had been looking forward to this. I mean, I'm 31, and this is something I've wanted to do since I can remember. So we get out there, and we caught uh, between 30 and 40 fish in the first two hours. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was just everything that we're throwing in. We're, we're pulling in grouper, we're pulling in red snapper, we're pulling in yellowtail. Uh, it, so much fun. And then, about, like, about two hours in, this big shadow, big over 10-foot shadow, just slowly goes beneath the boat. And one of the guys goes, what's that? And our captain looks over the, board, over the side of the boat and he goes, oh, that's a shark. You want to catch it? And everybody was like, no. Well, yeah. So we pulled all our lines in. He laces up this line as quickly as I've ever seen anybody do anything and throws some chum in the water, casts out, and he hands the pole to me. I'm like, great. It's got this knob on the end of it so you can really just sink it into your hip. And he's like, don't worry. Within five minutes, that thing will be tugging and you'll be in the fight of your lifetime. I was like, great. Uh, Within 15 seconds. This thing is on and tugging hard. I mean, just like absolutely taking me for a ride. 35 minutes. 35 minutes to catch this dumb fish. It was unbelievable. Um, And by the time, you know, we get it up there, and I I didn't realize it while we were going. You know, I'm realizing that I'm getting really tired, but we get it up to the boat, and you know, there's that kind of that celebration. He says, yeah, man, this is between 230 and 250 pounds. I'm like, that's unbelievable. Like, we go down, I get the picture with, and I'm all excited, and um, as soon as I stand up to hand off the the shark fin to somebody else to take their picture, I realized, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I have no hydration in my body. If the waves start moving, and I'm like, Guys, look out. And I push guys out of the way. I get to the other side, and I chummed the water myself. <laughs> and the guy's like, I've never seen anybody throw up with a patch. I was like, yeah, I just throw up my dram Dramamine. He's like, Dramamine. <laughs> so it was very, very fun. Uh, I got, like I said, very sick, but it was so worth it. Very fun. Uh, that is just incredible. <laughs> that, is, that is fun. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. The other fun in the
0: family, of course, is, you know, uh, Nate this weekend is at a wedding in Abilene with some friends. And so he got to watch a basketball game last night where Abilene got to play some little school in Austin and beat them. Beat them. So I, I I believe this is Longhorns, right? <laughs> Isn't that them? Hook well, today in there. it's all about I forget how it goes. This is, this is Wildcats. This is, this is what they do instead. The Wildcats took down the horns. (laughs) Yay. I tell you what, this is like, this is like Cedarville beating Ohio State. And if you say, what's Cedarville? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. A nothing nowhere school taking down the big boy. That was fantastic.
1: Yeah. Well, good, good. good. And we can't leave Shelly out of this. Shelly gets to go back to school. Oh yeah, right. So that's right, exciting. Right, right. We yes. finally have have her going back to school. I think Manuka, I heard, is going back to five days. Which so again, good things happening this week. Good things. Meanwhile, Shanahan has been
0: strong. That's right. Good job. Shanahan's done a great job. I love it. Just absolutely love it. So, let's walk through some stuff that's coming up, including today. Later today, we have the acting auditions that are going on with uh, camp today at four o'clock and then tomorrow at five o'clock we're having a couple of times that you can come and help us do some outdoor cleanup. We like to leave our winter gra- our, our decorative grasses throughout the winter. It gives some interest out there, but there does come a point that those things have to come down. So so today's the day and tomorrow that we're gonna spend some time cutting those down. And we would normally then burn them, but there was actually a little warning this morning about dryness and wind, and you might cause a brush fire and, and giving some people's uh, history of burning Four to six acres of our land. We we probably won't do any burning today. But anyway, almost pulled out the picture, and I thought, no, that would be just a little too much. It's fine.
1: We talked so, about that on Wednesday, and yeah. I showed the picture, so yeah, it's out there.
0: Ryan started the fire. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so uh, you got that. You, you got know what's crazy? Huh. That was the number one song the day I was born. Really? Billy Joel, We Didn't Start the Fire it was the number is, one song the day I was born. That is so <laughs> prophetic. It's amazing, amazing,
0: <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing. So uh, so we've got that later this afternoon. And then a uh, couple other things. Uh, right now, we're I think really for us, some of the last phases of, if you want to call it normal, or getting back to where we were, are now starting to get our teams active again. Serving teams for the most part... We've tried to do a lot of things without, you know, greeters and all those things and trying to minimize some of those contacts, but clearly we've got communion back, we've got coffee back, and so uh, we're looking for people who would be willing to help with those. Those tend to be one-month serves, mm-hmm. don't have to be, but they tend to be, so we're looking for some people who would be willing to step up for doing uh, communion prep on one end, cleanup on the other end, coffee prep on one end, cleanup as well. So uh, if that's something that you would be willing to be a part of, you can let us know today at the Welcome Center on the way out. You can let Kim know she's right up front. And I think it says to email kim at uh, southfieldchurch.com. So you have all those opportunities. You can do some of those serves along with your spouse, and even, even with, with your kids, some of them that works. I know, like, um, the, the, uh, the family doing it right now. I just, my brain just... Barrett's. Barrett's, thank you. Barrett's are doing it right now, and... Um, and in part, they're doing it because they love doing this together as yeah. a family. It's a family thing.
1: Well, so w- I mean, we've, we would describe this as a soft serve. So, I yeah. mean, it's, it's all the directions are there for you. You just have to follow them. And so it might be something where you could work out with, with some friends. So mm-hmm. either you, you do it together the first week and then you trade off and, and get through the month of April. But a uh, really cool way to get involved.
0: Dustin loves doing coffee. Dustin so makes great when, coffee, and he he makes great coffee. So when coffee came back, Dustin was like, "Mom, we got to do coffee again." He yeah. was he was up for that. That was just fantastic. So, the other thing that's uh, coming up for you last year, as the quarantine began, we we had just started some we called them first step groups or first step opportunities, and and literally I think we were a couple lessons in and had to had to stop. So. Uh, we're going ahead and and restarting those first step groups this is this is for those of you that are newer to southfield i think one of the one of the things that was amazing and beautiful about the quarantine is the number of people who found us and said we're looking for a church and they came and, and called southfield home we're thrilled to have them uh, joining us and being a part of us but now now it's like okay i've been here for a little while what's the place all about how do i get involved well these these are the groups that help you to do that they only last three weeks so the first one step in starts on april 11. three weeks to talk about what southfield is about what a relationship with god is all about step up is the one that helps you to know more about serving and, and how to get involved in serves around the church. And that one will be three weeks in May. We will be, it'll be on the second and then Mother's Day we'll skip and then we'll come back for the final two weeks after that before Memorial Day. But every Sunday we call offer something called Step Out. And Step Out is the opportunity to step out of anonymity. That For the most part, when we come to a church, we're anonymous. We walk in, we try to to check the place out, and at some point you need to look at somebody and say, hi, my name is. So for that, I'm going to be standing at this table down here right after church, and if you've never come up and said hi and given your name, uh, I'd love to be able to meet you, and what we do then is actually take a picture of you. Go ahead and get your name on the picture. And we share that with, with a few of the leaders around the church because it, here's what we believe. Names matter. Names matter. I think, I think we learned some things this year, right? Faces matter. And names matter. Knowing people matters. So so after church, that opportunity will, will be there for you as well. Did I get everything? That, that's way too small for me to read it.
1: <laughs> well, I... I your vision is better than mine, so okay. I definitely can't read that, but what I can tell you is students, tonight and Wednesday, March, Mad Mess. Mad mess Super time. excited for it. Mad Mess. Uh, <laughs> last night, yeah. I was making a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Riley and I went and did like the last shopping run for this, and I'm putting all this stuff in the cart, and she's like, what in God's name are you doing with all of this stuff? Can't tell you. If I told you, I'd have to kill you, so it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, a lot of fun tonight. Are we going to have
0: some dill pickle lime jello, I hope?
1: Mm. I would never put anyone through that. So <laughs> no. Uh, but there, there are pickles involved. I will be staying far, far away from that one. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be an outrageous event. So um, tonight, 6 to 8. Wednesday, 6.30 to 8.30. Um, so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then two, two more quick updates with students. Next week, with spring break, uh, we will be taking the week off. So next Sunday, next Wednesday. Um, leading up into Easter, we'll be taking that week off. And then, um, you know, you said Mother's Day. Mother's Day, a few years ago, we had a day where we invited the moms to come hang with us on ah, Sunday. how fun. And we're doing it again. Awesome. So Mother's Day uh, Revive is going to be open to, to moms coming to hang with us, and we'll have, Your like, Your mom a-
0: coming? <laughs> sure, Mom. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, so look forward to
0: that. <laughs> Good deal. Awesome. Well, again, we are grateful for your faithfulness in giving, whether it's the back, black box at the back or uh, by way of mail or online. Uh, we, we look forward to you continuing to uh, just keep up the faithfulness that you already have. We're going to uh, be moving forward in our series today in the Psalms of Ascent, but I did a little bit of a flip. We should be doing Psalm 126 today, and I jumped to Psalm 127 because Psalm 127 fits so well with this anniversary of going into quarantine and just what God has done in our church throughout the past year. Truly God, not us, God has done this. And then we'll actually go back to 126 next week because it, it, the theme fits beautifully with Palm Sunday. So if we're doing that little bit of a flip there. So we come, come to Psalm 127. It's got some pretty familiar verses in it. These are verses that If you've read the Psalms or heard the Psalms, you might be familiar with a couple of these. So, Brian, if you go ahead and read Psalm 127 in the English Standard Version, and then we'll hit the message as well.
1: A Song of Ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And then the message. If God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchman might as well nap. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late. And, your, and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy? Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you parents, with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off their doorstep.
0: So when you look at this psalm, you need to start with understanding that there's a branch of Christianity, and yes, I'm air-quoting Christianity, there's a branch of Christianity with not believers but make-believers who don't believe in the authenticity of Scripture, who don't believe in the authority of Scripture, who don't believe in the inspiration of Scripture, who believe it's just a well-meaning religious book, who interprets Scripture in such a way to say, yeah, that might be what the Bible says, but So when it starts out, for example, saying a song of ascents of Solomon, they'll even question, did Solomon write this? And among those people, their tendency is to push all the writing of Scripture as late as possible. Push it as far away from the event as possible. Because, see, what they struggle with the most is if you don't believe in the authority of Scripture, if you don't believe in inspiration, if you don't believe in the power of God, then it's really hard to believe in prophecy. It's really hard to believe that somebody could predict something and get it right. So instead, they believe that people wrote it much later and backfilled. They pretended as if the prophecy hadn't happened yet, when in fact it had happened, and it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that things were said. So, coming from a perspective that believes in the inspiration of Scripture, believes in the authority of Scripture, believes that the Bible is God's word to us, when it says a song of a sense of Solomon, guess what? I believe Solomon wrote it. Because the Bible told me Solomon wrote it. And, and beyond that, when you even look at the theme, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, it's vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, go to rest late, eating and drinking of anxious toil. Does this sound at all familiar? It's ecclesiastical. I mean, it's, 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 it's totally Ecclesiastes, right? Yeah. This is, it's almost as if Solomon had this other book out there and went, hey, Ecclesiastes, let's make this into a psalm, dude. And, and he went ahead and wrote these vanity, empty, meaningless, void, here it is once again and he's saying any effort done outside of realizing the role of god in that effort is vain empty and meaningless and part of the reason i love looking at this psalm today is because when i look at where southfield is today one year later we are where we are because we recognize this is the work of god this is God's work and God's calling upon us. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The, the gates of hell uh, include a pandemic. It includes government orders. It includes everything. That's the gates of hell pressing against the church. And when we recognize that this is God's work and, and we're, and we're going we're gonna to do everything we can to, to fulfill God's work, uh, great things happen. Great things happen, and the result, what we see here today is a recognition that, you know, this this pandemic season has not been uh, a curse on the church. It's been a tremendous opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ. God put us here now in this season, and he said, I'm doing a work in the world. Get involved in that work. You don't look at it and say, well, I don't want to be a part of that work. I'll save my powder for later. I'm going to keep it dry for now. You say, God, what are you doing in the world today? And let's get involved in what's happening in the world today. And so we did our best to try to determine what is it God is doing in his world and to join into that work. He says there are three things that if you try doing them on your own, you're basically wasting your time. They're vain efforts. He says building the house. I think Solomon's probably referring ultimately to the building of the temple. David was the one who wanted to build the temple. God said, no, you have blood on your hands. It's not going to be you. And instead, it was Solomon and his son who built the temple. So here's a guy who's aware. Unless God is, is in on this activity, all I'm doing is in vain. Unless God is watching over the city, we're wasting our time. We might as well take a nap. And he says, unless God is involved in building the family it's not going to happen. I, I can do everything I possibly can in order to have a child, but ultimately it is God who is the giver of life. So he's showing us these different ways in which God is the one ultimately at work and we're the ones joining him in his work, participating in his work, sharing in his work. So I want to talk about the word work today in light of this psalm. And as I talk about work, I'm not talking only about the job you do, nine to five, punch the clock. And I'm not, we can really expand it to to any activity we take on in this world. Uh, Loving your spouse, taking care of your kids, cleaning your house, everything, and anything we do, serving around the church, all the activity we do, we're gonna throw that in the category of work. Creative work, sustaining work, these are the things we're involved in. When we look at this psalm, we understand that that people, when they read this psalm, they tend to take three different approaches to work and the work that we do. It's possible to read this psalm, and as you do, take what we might call a passive approach. The passive approach is to say, it's God's work I'm just going to watch what God does. I'm just going to stand back and watch. So, I mean, it may be right now that you're literally, you're unemployed and you're saying, I'm just going to, I'm going to wait and see what God does. I'm just, I, I'm not, I'm not going to send out a resume. I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to wait and see what God does. We take this completely passive, hands-off approach where we say, hey, God's got to be the one to build, and so I'm going to do nothing. I'm just, I'm just going to watch what happens. Paul actually gets on this a little bit in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. There's something going on in the Thessalonican church that's really interesting. There are people who came to recognize in the community that the nature of Christianity and Christians is that they're generous. And so what they did, they realized that generosity and they said, we're going to get us some of that. And they went and became part of the church, and they basically sat back and said, I'm going to be passive, you take care of me. You minister to me, you feed me, you do everything you can. Paul actually comes out and says, stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they received from us. He says, you're supposed to imitate me. And he goes on to say, what are you supposed to imitate? I'm a hard worker. I didn't, I didn't just leave the responsibility to you for you to pay for
1: me. I did hard work. I worked on my own. So read verse 9. We certainly have the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Don't work, don't eat. I mean, Paul's being real clear.
0: There's some physical activity for us to take on. There's some things we're supposed to do. Start with verse 11.
1: Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to settle down and work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them, so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn warn them as you would a brother or sister. I left that last part in there. It's important. These weren't just... just, uh people who were
0: coming in and taking advantage of the church these were people who had become believers they were christ followers and they were taking advantage of other brothers and sisters in the body and paul was saying no if you're able to work get to work do work so so there's nothing in what solomon that is writing that says we're to approach life from a passive approach we're supposed to just sit back and watch and see what god does there is some physical activity for us to undertake. So on each of these, I asked you if you give me an example, either a story or from personal life or from, from broader life, an example of what we're talking about. What do you have for this one?
1: There's a story that goes way back. I don't know the, the origins of it, but I've told the students this at least a dozen times since I've started here. And uh, it involves a guy who's in a flood. He's got this one-story house, and, and floodwaters start to rise, and he decides, I'm going to go get out the ladder and get on the roof, because you know, floodwaters are coming up, I'm going to get on the roof. And he starts to pray, and he prays for rescue. As, uh, as the floodwaters are rising, a guy in a rowboat comes along, and he says, hey, buddy, up there on the roof, get in the boat, I can take you to rescue. And the man on the roof praying says, no, no, thanks, I appreciate it, but uh, you see, I'm praying to God to save me and I have strong faith. So I'm good. Thanks. Have a nice day. And the rowboat heads on out. The floodwaters continue to rise and it reaches the roof level and a guy in a motorboat comes through and, sir, do you need assistance? Get in the boat. I can take you to safety. And the man stands on the roof and says, no, no, I'm still busy praying for God to save me and and I have tremendous faith. So thanks for the offer, but I'm sure my God will come through. Thanks. And that boat leaves. The tides continue to rise, and before you know it, this guy's up to his waist in water, and a helicopter comes over, drops a ladder, and through the loudspeaker, you can hear, Sir! Jump on the ladder! Climb into the helicopter! I can take you to safety! And the man looks up, wind's all whipping around him. No thanks! You see, I'm busy praying to God to save me, and I have tremendous faith, so... Thanks, but uh, you guys can go help somebody else. Helicopter takes off. Well, The story doesn't end well because the the floodwaters continue to rise. And he drowns. The man dies. And he gets to the pearly gates and and he meets God face to face. and, And he's kind of stunned. He's like, God, I'm a man of tremendous faith. I prayed for you to save me. What did you do? And God just kind of looked at him. Are you kidding me? I sent you a rowboat, a motorboat and a helicopter. What on earth were you doing? Mm-hmm. Why are you here? <laughs> and and that, that
0: is, I think it's a perfect picture of those moments that we're passive. We're waiting. We're not, we're not looking to God for answers. We're looking to God for magic. We're, you know we're, we're hoping that the magic spell works instead of getting involved actively in the work that God is doing. so Let's go to the opposite extreme because I think this is probably where more of us land than passivity, and that is when we press and push. When we decide, if we don't do this, nobody's gonna. I've gotta gotta be the one to take charge. I've gotta be the one to make this happen. Someone's gotta finally care about this. This is my mission, my task. I'm gonna do this. And it's highlighted in the second verse, he says, it is vain that you rise up early and go to late Go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Do you hear that last part? Anxious toil. So, this is a person who, this isn't about believing in or trusting in God. This is a a level of anxiety, a level of anxiousness that's saying, if I don't do the work, it's going to stay undone. It's mine to be done, it's my work to be done. For this, I, I take us over to Numbers chapter 20, one of the saddest stories in the life of Moses. And it actually starts with a sad verse that you could almost read over very quickly. Miriam, his sister, dies and is buried. So it gives us a little idea of just where his relational, emotional state might be in the moment. He's just lost his sister. And they're in a place called the wilderness of Zin, which I don't know about you, I hear that name, and I'm just like, bad's gonna happen here. This is not, this is not a nice place. We're in the wilderness of Zin, camped at Kadesh. While they're there, just like happened so many times, There's something that the people want, and they don't have it. They start to blame Moses. They start to rebel. They're angry. There's no water. We want water. Why would you bring us out here to die? Why did you do this to us? We're out here. There's no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, no water. We got nothing. Here we go. You brought us out here to kill us. So Moses and Aaron go to talk to God. Read that passage for us.
1: Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock.
0: Now, if you've been around Christian circles for a while, this is not an unfamiliar story. Two details there that you need to see. God says, you need to take the staff with you, and you need to talk to the rock. There's your assignment. Take the staff, talk to the rock. That's it,
1: with the people assembled. So, what happens? Unfold it. Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come together at the rock. And he said, Listen, you rebels! Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. So a few things things to point out here. Uh, It says, first of all, he did as he was told. So you have
0: that piece. And what did he do? He took the staff. So he obeyed in that area. He did what he was told. He took the staff with him. And then he starts the speech with, listen, you rebels. Not a great way to deliver church announcements. <laughs> Listen, you rebels, we need someone to do coffee. What's your problem? Come on. I don't know, maybe 10 people will volunteer. We may try that more often. Anyway, <clears throat> must we bring you water from this rock?
1: We. Who be we? Not good, we. Who's
0: the, I tell you what, no matter what, this is not good. He's either saying, must we, Moses and Aaron... Or must we, Moses and God, the common denominator, Moses, do we have to do this for you? you, You just hear those words and you're like, this is not going to a great place. Then he takes that good old staff and not once but twice, boom, boom, he hits the rock. It does not say that he spoke to the rock. It says that he hit it twice. And what happened next? Tell me what happened next water came out of the rock think about that shouldn't it i mean if you're writing this story boom boom (laughs) no water what happened oh i was supposed to talk to it what did i do boom boom water flows isn't it amazing how sometimes even when we do it the wrong way god gives us great results Even when we don't do what we were told to do, the results are there, and we can look at the results and say, it must have been right. Look at the results. i got to tell you, I think there are a lot of American churches that the water is flowing. The water is flowing, but there's been a lot of hitting the rock with the staff instead of speaking to the stone. There are a lot. And the thing of it is, we as Americans always only ever look at results we always only ever look at look at look at what's happening certainly they must be doing it right are we obeying god or not and and so you you have this sad ending go ahead and read the sad ending
1: the lord said to moses and aaron because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of israel you will not lead them into the land i am giving them this place was known as the waters of meribah which means arguing because they're The people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. So the
0: question, and there have been countless sermons written and spoken on this topic, what did Moses do wrong? Was the wrong the we? Was the wrong the hitting of the staff? Was the wrong, listen, you rebels, what did he do that was wrong? We read it right there. Because you did not trust me enough. You didn't trust me. I had a way for you to do this, and you didn't trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness. You didn't trust me enough to allow me to be the one to be glorified in this moment by following my words to a letter. So sometimes we're passive. We just sit back and say, okay, God, if it's your work, I'm just going to watch Sometimes we forget it's even God's work and we say, someone's got to do something about this. I'm going to be the one to do it. I'm going to press. I'm going to push. And we leave God out of the picture altogether. Do you have, a picture? Do you have a, an illustration of that for
1: us? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> um, when I started at Southfield, we didn't yet have this building and we met in a warehouse over uh, just around the corner here. And um, that's very creatively, we named the youth group Warehouse. Mm-hmm. So, so, Warehouse was high school and junior high ministries, and, and you know, the, the group when I came in, you know, to, as leaders change, people leave, it's how things go. Uh, but we had gotten down to a very, very, very small group, tight-knit, <laughs> um, four or five kids each night, and, and I looked at that, and I said, okay, well, clearly I'm here for a reason, so we need to mix things up. We need to change things, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And so for that first year, I spent changing a lot. I taught everything, and I taught using as much technology things as I possibly could. Uh, I planned all the games, and then ran all the games, and then uh, once, actually, once the teach was done, we have small groups at where we get to, like, kind of talk through things and have conversations. Yeah, I ran those, too. Uh, any trips that we did, I was the head honcho directing orders and, and telling everybody where to go, and then, then we had Green Lake year one, and it was awesome. We had, we had about 40 people go, um, and I did all the teaches, I made all the materials, I planned all the games, I planned all the work, I did everything, and we get to the end of year one, and I'm like, man, We're growing look at this. Isn't this, isn't this amazing what God has done? And, and it took three of my students, Chad, Rachel, and Danielle, who were like my high school uh, leaders at the time, and they, they volunteered and helped out on Wednesday nights as well. They, they came to me and said, no, this hasn't, this hasn't been a great first year. And not because we hadn't done great stuff, and it wasn't that they were discouraged or anything, but, but they said, you realize that, that you've done everything this year. I was like, oh, well, yeah, I thought I was doing the right thing. Yeah, I'm setting up, I'm tearing down, I'm doing all the things that nobody else wants to do. I I have to do it. And they said, no, that's why you have a team. We want to set up. We want to plan small group activities. We want to run that, to manage it. and We want to stay late and talk and clean and do all these things because that's our role that's our job, and so it took three high schoolers telling me when i've you know taken over after a year of, of running the show to, to say Brian, you you need to stop pushing you need to stop pressing and and allow us to to work into this because right now it's it's not the God show it's it's the Brian show
0: mm. so now my, my guess is just talking about this that you have, you have a propensity in your personality toward one or the other of these. You're either more passive or you're a more push-press. Pr- push, one of those propensities. And what God is calling us to is probably to lean more into the other one. To, to lean more into the other one because it brings us then to the third place, the place he wants us, and that's to participate in his work. To realize that it is his work and whether we are being passive or pushing, we are missing out on the fact that it is, it is his work that he has to do. Again, this psalm was about, it's by Solomon. I believe when he talks about that building the house, he's got the temple in mind. He's the one with the responsibility for building the temple. It takes seven years to build this magnificent this magnificent structure. Uh, David was not the one to build it. God said you have blood on your hands. But then what David does, it's pretty incredible, is he does everything he can to ensure his kids success right so he gets the plans from god he he gets all the all the products needed to build i mean this thing all he didn't do was take two pieces of wood put them together and nail them he's he's like i'm going to do everything i can to get you to this place god says solomon will be the one to do this and and when you go down into chapter 28 verse 11 says then david gave solomon his son the plan And what's beautiful
1: read what it says in verse 19 all this he made clear to me in writing from the hand of the lord all the work will be done according to the plan he he says
0: god is the one that gave me this plan that i'm giving to you this is this is god's work this is god's plan this is what what god has done and then and then we come down to his his final words to to uh solomon on this particular project that sounded an awful lot like some words we've heard in Joshua.
1: Then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God, even my God is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And behold the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all of the service of the house of God and all, or I'm sorry, and with you in all the work will be the very will be every willing man who has skill for any kind of service also the officers and all the people will be holy at your command if it makes you feel better i read that out loud three times last night it's a tongue
0: tangler (laughs) the way they've worded this is just it's fun but what's the message there david says you are not alone god is with you this is god's work and god is with you and so are the people you're not alone in this. You get to participate in this. And that really brings us to the word that, that gives us the perspective from Psalm 127 and that is that we are participants. We are participants in the work of God. And it may not be the easiest to read, but you come almost second line from the bottom it says this word is from the late middle English from Latin participant literally sharing in. To participate means to share in something. We get to share in the work of God. God is the one doing this great work, and he says, and guess what? I'm going to use you, dust ball. I'm going to use you to join in the work. We're all dust balls, right? We're all little dirt balls. God made mud. Boom, there we are. We're dirt balls. And God says, I use dirt balls to to glorify myself. It's amazing. It's just incredible. First
1: Corinthians chapter 3. Listen to Apostle Paul. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom Derp you believed the good news. Each of us did the work of the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together in the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work for we are both God's workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. What a way
0: to end. You are God's building. There we are, right? Back unless the Lord builds the house. Would you just take a minute to look around the room? Go ahead. Turn your head and look around the room. 1 year later, God did this. God did this. This is God. God did this. God's got to be the one to do the watering. God's the one who grows the seed. You know, there's no leader so brilliant that they grow the seed. God did this. God did this. So the question that comes from this is, personally, how will I share in the work of God? How will I make sure to live out Psalm 127? How will I share in the work of God? Let me give you just three things. First, we need to wake aware of God in all things. Every day we wake up, We don't go, uh, Illinois weather, boo. We wake up and we go, God, I get to do your stuff today. You're doing some stuff in the world today, and I get to do your stuff. Read this. This is from uh, Purpose Driven Life in the introduction. I've actually had this print for years and and love to say these words to God.
1: God's spirit is moving mightily in waves around the world. My prayer at the start of each day goes like this. Father, I know you're going to do some incredible things in your world today. Please give me the privilege of getting in on some of what you're doing. Do you hear that? Wake aware that God's at work. God creates, God sustains, and God
0: uses his people in his work. Wake aware that God is in this day. And you know what? You may have a cruddy day ahead. God is in this day. You may have an awesome day ahead. God is in this day, and he's got some things he wants us to join, participate with him. He wants us to be participants. Second, we need to walk aware of the me in me. What does that mean? I need to know my natural way of approaching work. I need to know that I tend to be a little too passive. Or I need to know that I press and push. I I tend to get it done and make it get done. And I need to know that God is calling me to be a participant in his work. Not passive, not pushing and pressing. So a little further after, there's a little add-in. Start, start right after the quote.
1: In other words, church leaders should stop praying, Lord, bless what I'm doing and start praying, Lord, help me to do what you are blessing. This
0: has been the sin of the church since Jesus left the earth. God, we got some great plans. Would you sprinkle some holy water on it? right god we have some great plans would you bless what we're going to do instead of saying god what are you doing what are you doing we want to get in on what you're blessing we want to join you in your work we don't want you to be the magic on our work we want to join you in your work here's another quote i think this might be from experiencing god i don't remember where i got it i've i've had it for years
1: how different would the world be if we prayed before we made our plans rather than asking God to bless what we've already decided to do?
0: Starting up front, beginning of the day, God, it's your work, it's your world. What do you have for me today? And knowing, knowing the me in me, knowing my natural propensity, and then work aware of the calling upon us. And notice I want plural here now because it really is about the calling on Christ's church. Not just on me as an individual, but God Who are you calling us to be and what are you calling us to do? The local expression of the church as well as the worldwide expression of the church. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 1.11,
1: So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. I love that ending. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things
0: your faith prompts you to do. Do you hear that? Do you hear the participation there? There's the participation, that that we're aware that God has a will for his church, and we're joining with him in the faith he's given us to go ahead and do what he has prompted us to do. God calls us to be participants in his work. So we're going to move to communion, and I I can't think of too many pictures that do a better job of showing us very physically, physically and tangibly The way this works. God did a tremendous work on the cross through Jesus. The Son of God died, was buried, and rose again. And gave salvation to the world. But salvation was not then just automatically applied to the world. You had to hear the message of the gospel and choose to receive the message of the gospel. You had to choose to receive Jesus Christ. If you're passive today, you look at communion and you wait for it to float to you. No. You walk up and receive it. If you're a pusher or a presser, you brought your own communion. (laughs) You don't like these crackers. Somewhere in the middle is a recognition that this is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. And we walk to receive it. Cooperating, participating in the work of God. Father, as we take the walk to communion again this week, I pray that we would see the way in which our feet moving toward you is part of the action. You already did the work. We are here to receive the work. We're here to receive the work your son has done and to be participants with you in your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say on our way this morning that of all the things that um, we've talked about in recent days this might be one of the tougher lessons to master and to be honest i don't know that any of us will come close in this lifetime i think we're always you know moses is an old guy when he picks up the staff and hits the rock because we keep coming if christ is being formed in us what does that mean sometimes we learn through doing it wrong Uh, If you're married, you love your spouse sincerely. Do you ever get it wrong? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sincere. I want to do what pleases her. And sometimes I do something and she goes, who do you live with? (laughs) Hey, me? What? You know, that's where we are with God, right? We learn. We learn. Sometimes we press too hard and God says, "Uh," I said talk to it. I didn't say hit it. And sometimes we're sitting back waiting, and he's like, I sent a boat. Why aren't you on it? And we learn, and we grow. And so as you walk out today, this isn't an opportunity to beat yourself up over being one or the other. It's an opportunity to say, God, I'm listening. I'm listening. I want to grow in this. I want to participate in your work. Show me what you're doing. I want to join what you're blessing. So you enjoy your week. I will be down here with my uh, camera. Ready to take a picture if you're ready to step out of anonymity and let us know who you are. We'll see you later.